This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And welcome to the prologue on America's Web Radio, a weekly program bringing you introductions to writers and books you may not be familiar with yet. My name's Doug Dahlgren. I'll be your host this morning. I'm an author myself, and you can find my work on Amazon, at Books A Million, and Barnes & Noble, all online sites. And we call this show the prologue because that's exactly what it is. It's an introduction. And while our introductions are mainly about writers, we also love to bring you interesting people with just a good story to tell from other fields and other endeavors as well. So if you or someone you know has a book or that interesting story that just needs to be told, please reach out to me, and you can do that through email. I've got two sites, Doug at com or Doug at DougDahlgren.com. Love to talk to you about being on the show at a future date, so reach out to me. Now, we've been honored to have many award-winning authors as guests here on the prologue. Today, we proudly bring you yet another, the 2015 Georgia Author of the Year in Humor. His book, the first of what readers hope will be many, is an inspirational tale of poverty in the Deep South. Told with his tongue deeply embedded strongly in his cheek, his characters come to life and bring both tears and smiles to the reader. Before we bring him on, please allow me to recognize two very special groups who make up our growing audience here at America's Web Radio. First and foremost are folks serving in the armed forces of this country around the world, working hard to keep us safe back home so we can live the lives that we so often take for granted. Remember, freedom is not free. It is bought and paid for daily by our men and women in uniform, and we thank them, each and every one, for what they do. I also want to mention our first responders that are here at home, in your local community, those police, fire, EMT personnel who rush to our aid when we get our little behinds in trouble. So thank each of you for what you do, and also thank you so much for being listeners to America's Web Radio. Now, our guest author today is a recovering attorney, and he was quite good at it while he did that. At some point prior to that particular career, he was also a deckhand on a Mississippi River tugboat. He was a traveling circus promoter. He was a taxi driver and an iceman in a chicken plant. We're going to have to ask him about that a little bit later. While this is his first book, He had already employed his wit, vast knowledge, and experience to become a well-known and award-winning humorist, writing for literary anthologies, magazines, and newspapers. His award-winning novel is called Luck Be a Chicken, and this is your prologue. Life is hard when you're poor. It's even harder when your primary knowledge base is a combination of deer hunting, beer, and NASCAR. Our hero's devoted wife operates an unlicensed beauty parlor. From the proud addition to their homestead, a used Airstream trailer permanently attached to the couple's single wide. Our hero works for a local icon and the inherited owner of a chicken processing plant. A loyal-to-the-death employee at the plant, our hero is faced with a major conflict of huge proportions, a cover-up at the plant. Now, there are deeply religious beliefs that work their way through this story of tragedy, sharing with with us a situation that can only 
be looked at with a touch of humor, and our guest today does that brilliantly. The novel is Luck Be a Chicken. The author, Jameson Gregg, is here with us. Welcome to the prologue, Jameson. Thank you, Doug. Um, thank you for having me on, and thank you for that uh, fine prologue and fine review of Luck Be a Chicken. Well, thank you. We're proud to have you here. Now, I've got to start out. Luck Be a Chicken. I can almost hear Frank Sinatra singing. Uh, what came first, the story or the title? The story came first. And actually, as I developed the plot, um, this concept of luck kind of leaked into it. So, yeah, story first, title came about midway. Did they have anything to do with uh, Luck Be a Lady or explain the title? Well, it was a play on Luck Be a Lady because that's such a popular um, name of a song, Luck Be a Lady. So, yeah, it was a play on that on that song title, although it has nothing, the book has nothing to do with Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, you seem, at least through your writing anyway, to take a less than poker-faced look at life situations and problems. Have you always found humor in what's going on around you? I have. Um, I, I, I love humor. Um, you know, I think some people are are born um, funny, and, and, and some people have to seek it out. But I have, you know, my mother and my grandmother were both funny people. They were pranksters. And I remember, you know, when I was eight years old, my 70-plus-year-old grandmother playing pranks on me. I mean, she had one of her favorite tricks was... She would take up a, a, a long straw from her broom, and as I was sleeping, she would tickle me right under the nose. And I would, I would wake up and think it was a fly and go back to sleep. And, of course, she was hiding, and then she would come up and do it again. And I would scratch my nose and go back to sleep, and after five or six times, I figured out it was her. But here's a 70-year-old playing this prank on an 8-year-old, and, and that type of humor instilled in me at a young age kind of stuck with me. So I do seek out humor, yes. Do you say you would have been what we called in school the class clown? I was, absolutely. <laughs> um, never got into serious trouble. I'm always on the verge of serious trouble, but spent plenty of time in the principal's office and knew what the principal's paddle felt like on my rear end. It sounds like you had sympathetic folks at home, though, when you got back. Well, I did. Um, I have three, uh, three siblings, and we all grew up just, just laughing and, and, and having a good time and, and uh, making each other laugh. Very good. Now, you call your book a comic novel. Would you define that genre just a little bit finer for the listeners? Yes. Um, you know, um, I don't think there's that many books really in that genre out there. Um, and I call Luck Be a Chicken a comic novel even though it's not all comedy. You know, there are some serious issues that the book deals with, but there's so much humor in it, I thought justified in calling the book comic novel. Okay. Luck Be a Chicken. It's really a serious story, and it's told through the lives of some, let's say, less than serious characters. The protagonist and his family are, well, uh, to put it mildly, clueless rednecks, and I think that's your words. Please tell us what you can about Butterbean Sweat, his wife Ruby, and the family. Well, uh, you know, it, it, the book is fiction, but in a way it's not because I know these people. Um, uh, and it, even though I don't know a fam, the family exactly like Butterbean and Ruby Sweat, it's a compilation of other uh, folks I have known in my life. Um, and I came up with the name Butterbean Sweat. I just thought that was just a classic name for a, a, a redneck um, good old boy and his wife, Ruby. 
Um, and, you know, I started creating the story by creating the characters of Butterbean and Ruby Sweat. And, and from there, um, I, I gave them a family, um, uh, Junior and Little Bit, and Little Bit, their daughter, is in dire need of a medical procedure, and they can't afford it. So that, that creates the overall conflict in the book. But I needed, I wanted some more conflict, so I sent Bean to work, and I sent him to work in a chicken factory, which is where I worked. I'll talk, I'll talk about that later, but uh, sent him to the chicken factory and created, there's more conflict there between him and his, his nemesis, the owner of the chicken plant. So these, these are people that you knew? I mean, are they out there? Are they looking for an attorney to come after you? Oh, they're out there everywhere. Okay. All right. More, more generic than specific. No, absolutely okay. generic. Um, I, didn't, I didn't try to pattern it on any particular family. Okay. <laughs> that would have been interesting. I can just picture the leotard, the uh, leopard skin leotard there in the beauty shop. Yes. I mean, I think we've all seen that. Uh, the dialogue that you use between the characters, well, uh, we'll call it authentic. Now, how did you come up with that dialogue? Well, um, I have, I've had an ear for it, and I, I consider myself a student of the culture. And um, the, the Southern Redneck Dialogue, they really butcher the English language. Um, you know, they use things like double negatives. You know, the, if somebody says, well, I ain't done nothing wrong, well, that's a double negative. It's actually an admission, but actually you know what he's talking about. I ain't done nothing wrong, a double negative. Um, they also tend to use uh, the wrong verb tenses um, and, and things like that that I've, I've noticed and continue to notice. And in the book, I try to capture that vernacular. And it's you got to be careful because if you go too far and, and you try to spell it phonetically, um, it would be difficult, if not impossible, for the reader to, to understand it and read it. And they would put the book down very quickly. So it's a delicate balance. In, in trying to capture that vernacular, which I tried to do, and I've gotten some compliments from people on on my effort in trying to capture that vernacular. You did it quite well, and there's a lot of research, obviously, went into that. What other research did you actually do for this book? Well, quite a bit, actually. Um, I did a lot of research on the chicken industry and the poultry industry, um, and even though I did work in a chicken plant when I was in college for a while, I didn't get the macro picture of the poultry industry. And so I researched that online quite a bit. And I like to say that um, these days, as long as you have a comfortable pair of pajamas and a good internet connection, you can become an expert on almost anything. Isn't that the truth? Yes, I love it myself. I do most of my uh, travel on the internet. That's good. Now, you exhibit a vast knowledge in, well, things like trailer parks, beauty shops, hunting clubs, chicken plants. That, that's quite a mix. Uh, all of this came through uh, the uh, search on the Internet? No. Um, I, I, I have been a de- an avid deer hunter <clears throat> earlier in my life, so I know about deer hunting, and I know about chicken plants. I don't know about beauty parlors, but I did some research on that, and I had help uh, from my editor, my wife, Maureen, she does know about beauty parlors, so she contributed quite a bit of knowledge in that section. <clears throat> trailer parks. Now, I have not lived in a trailer park, but um, I've been to trailer parks, driven through trailer parks, know people who live in trailer parks. So, Luck Be a Chicken is the novel. And, folks, our author, Jameson Gray, tell the folks right quick, where can they find this book? 
Um, my website is jamesongreg.com, and, and Jameson is spelled uh, like the fine Irish whiskey, J-A-M-E-S-O-N, Greg, G-R-E-G-G, dot com. You can also find it on my publisher's website, which is deedspublishing.com, but it's also online. Um, print and e-books are available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, um, and e-books are also available um, at iTunes. And th- there are multiple retail outlets where the book is and too many to to list but most of the retail outlets are in georgia but i will say that um, if you go to jamesongreg.com you can not only buy the book but you can also sign up for my newsletter outstanding very good folks you're going to love this book i hope you'll get in there look it up find out more about it the website is very detailed tell you everything you really want to know about the man and his work and this book is a hoot you just really and if you're from the south you know what i mean by a hoot that's h-o-o-t and you will love reading it now um you mentioned your knowledge of hunting clubs now see that's not a sport today that's really a culture and we're going to have somebody you might know. Have you ever heard of Duncan Doby? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. No. He is the uh, associate knowledge expert for deer hunting in the state of Georgia. And we're going to have him here as a guest uh-huh. next Friday. So anyway, I thought you – he lives up somewhere up there near your area, so I thought you might know him, but also with the, with the uh, hunting clubs. Folks, again, the gentleman is James Gregg, his book, Luck Be a Chicken. My name's Doug Dahlgren. We're here on the prologue, and we're going to be back with more after these messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And we're back. My name is Doug Dahlgren. You're listening to the Prologue on America's Web Radio. Our guest today is Jameson Gregg, and I understand that I mispronounced that in the last segment. Jameson, J A M E S O N, Gregg, G R E G G. He is the Georgia 2015 Author of the Year in Humor. And, folks, his book is Luck Be a Chicken. We're here. We were talking about his vast knowledge in trailer parks, beauty shops, chicken plants, and hunting clubs. And, in fact, he has two, two varying segments in the book, Luck Be a Chicken, talking about, uh, well, as he puts it, the juxtaposition between uh, social classes, should we say, uh, with their different hunting clubs. You want to expand on that a little bit for us? Yes. Um, and, and the way I 
wrote it in the book, these two hunting clubs were adjacent to one another. And, and one hunting club is a very posh, upscale hunting club. They have all the amenities, um, great clubhouse, groomed deer fields and such. And next door is this dog hunting club. And these guys have an old abandoned trailer they use as their clubhouse, and they pack it especially um, opening night of deer season. I mean, that's a national holiday for these people. So I, I go back and forth, juxtapose um, the, the upper-class hunting style and the redneck hunting, redneck dog hunting style. And I go back and forth during that deer hunting chapter. And some people have found that to be the most enjoyable part of the book is the juxtaposition between those two types of deer hunting there is quite a difference, and, and I have to admit I've been to both. Of course, I haven't done that in a number of years. Now, there's something else on your resume that we have to delve into just a little bit deeper. You uh, were an ice man in a chicken plant, and I know that that experience just had to enter into this story of butterbean sweat. You want to expand on that a little for us? Yes. Um, you know, I, I graduated from Ole Miss, and I graduated, and I had this fresh sheepskin in my hand I had a bachelor's of business administration and the first job i took was a ice man in a chicken plant and my parents were crestfallen and the reason i did it is i was enrolled and about to go to law school right out of undergraduate school but i got cold feet at the last minute and decided to take some time off and i wanted to i was living in mississippi i wanted to move to colorado where my brother was but i was broke and I didn't want to take any money from my parents because they were just disgusted with me working in a chicken plant. And and so I was a nice man in a chicken plant. And, and let me tell you, it, it takes some real cojones to overcome the smell, even to walk in the door of a chicken plant. Um, but 30 years later, uh, that experience culminated in luck be a chicken. So now you literally dragged blocks of ice around? What, what, what was this job? Well, um, my job was I worked in a big room, and there was an ice maker in the ceiling, and it would drop ice all day long. And there was a big screw going through the center of the room, and my job was to simply shovel ice into that screw, which took it to a conveyor belt, which took the ice to various stations around the chicken plant to keep the chickens cool during the process. So it was 105 degrees outside, and I'd go out and come back into the ice room and go back out in the 105 weather, eventually caught a cold i couldn't shake and finally had to quit that job so it wasn't quite the status of a forklift driver that butterbean held no but uh tell us a little more about his job there at the plant and i understand he was the uh unofficial spokesperson for the group there uh because of his ability to translate go into that a little for yes and and his ability to speak english really <laughs> he, he couldn't translate very well but um this chicken plant it, it's non-union and it's 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 not a well-run chicken plant. Um, there is a, a, a salvanella outbreak that, that happens in the book, um, but uh, the owner of the chicken plant, I mean, he he's a he's a highfalutin, pompous guy, and he does not treat his workers well. And most of the workforce is Hispanic, which is I think realism, especially up in North Georgia. Much of the workforce is Hispanic. And, and, and much of them, many of them do not speak English or don't speak it well. And because Bean was one of the few workers who did speak English, he was kind of um, the unofficial spokesman for the whole plant. 
in trying to present their labor issues. And that, that's where he was the well-known, loyal servant, so to speak, that uh, represented everybody there. Uh, the caricatures that you paint for us, they're amazing caricatures, and that's a different spelling. There's characters and there's caricatures. Uh, but you didn't do this to bring them to ridicule. I don't think that that was your intent or, or what you did at all. And you certainly weren't there to make fun of these folks. As a popular radio personality has said so many times, uh, sometimes you have to use absurdity to describe absurdity. It's the only way you can get the point across. Is that fairly close to what you were doing here with Luck Be a Chicken? No, I, I think that what you said is a, is a good summation of, of how I tried to portray these characters. Um, I, I did not want to make fun of them. I wanted to laugh with them, not at them. Um, and they, they, they love humor. And even though these, these folks, the, the, the Sweat family, the protagonist family, you know, they, they live on the, on the edge of poverty. You know, they have this medical crisis on their hands. But, but they use humor as a coping mechanism. Um, to, to deal with our circumstances, they cope through humor. Do you find that your use of humor allows you to approach subjects that would be much too difficult to handle seriously? I think that's absolutely correct. Um, okay. I think through humor, you, you can address serious subjects and, and put them in a different light and um, perhaps make people see them in a different vein if there's some humor involved in the study of that subject. You mentioned uh, salmonella earlier. Uh, that also mm-hmm. plays a role in this, except that I think it's salvanilla. Isn't yeah. that really? Yeah, uh, Butterbean, he can't pronounce salmonella, so he calls it salvanilla. Yeah, that's, that's his redneck pronunciation of it. Folks, you've got to get the book is all I can tell you. We're not going to give it away. We want you to buy the book, but you, you really have to get into this thing. Now, Jameson, you sprinkle in a touch of poetry throughout the book. What? Uh, tell us about that. Explain yourself. <laughs> well, it, it, I, I have a hard time explaining why I did that, um, but it's it's simple, simple rhyming poetry. And I found that that's a mechanism that I could use to to move the plot forward um, without a whole lot of expose. Um, And I enjoyed writing this poetry. Most of it is is redneck poetry, I call it. Um, But I've never seen it done like I did it, um, to use poetry in a a book like this. But it worked for me. well, it works. Absolutely, it works. Now, while we're talking about what's inside the book, without giving too much away, because, again, we want the idea here is for folks to be interested and to go out and buy this book and enjoy it. Tell the listeners what you will, why they want to read Luck Be a Chicken. Well, it's, it's, it's entertaining. It's, it's humorous. And I think in this day and age that we need more humor, and we need it now in our lives and um, the book deals with, as I, as I mentioned, some serious issues, but it does, it does it through the, the lens of humor. And so I think if somebody reads this book, they will learn about some serious issues, such as the cleanliness of our food supply um, and corporate greed and corruption. But it's, it's all done through um, uh, overall lens of humor. 
And so I think that um, people um, who read this book will be entertained and get some chuckles out of it, I guarantee. And as you said, it it is a serious work. There's a real message in here, uh, a rather gritty and sympathetic message, actually. Um, How long did it take you to put this story together and write the book? Well, it it took a solid four years to write the book. Um, The the first thing I had to do was, was unlearn how to write like a lawyer. And, and, and the beauty of that four years writing this book is my goal when I was writing was to make myself laugh, which I think is a wonderful goal. And I, I did that with the hopes that if, if, if I could make myself laugh, that the reader would, would laugh as well. Um, now, after um, the four years to write it, it took another solid year to find a publisher. You know, I, I received about 50 rejections from literary agents, mostly New York types, um, you know, come to find out, um, it, it's not that uncommon to, to receive that many rejections. Um, we know and have heard from many New York Times bestsellers, and almost all of them have suffered, you know, just as many rejections, if not more. Um, but once um, I, I decided to stop querying publishers, and I started querying agents, and I started querying publishers directly. And, of course, the big houses typically will not look at a manuscript unless it's represented by an agent. So I started looking at other regional publishers, and it didn't take me very long to come across a publisher in my own backyard, Deeds Publishing. And, and their motto is, is Deeds, Not Words. Um, they were in Atlanta. They're now in a- Athens, Georgia. Um, they published their first book in 2005, and they're on pace now to publish their 200th book later this year. So I would say keep an eye on Deeds Publishing um, um, they've got some talent on board, um, so check out their website and the, the titles that they've published. Now, how did you come across these folks? How did you find Deeds? Internet. You know, so much is done through the Internet. There's, there's so many resources available to writers to, to identify agents and publishers. So it's just, just simply an Internet search. And this book that everybody, all the 50 rejections that you received to your queries, and Deeds finally picks it up and runs with it, and it ends up being the 2015 Georgia Author of the Year Award winner. In humor, there's quite a number of categories, of course, but this is in humor. It's a serious category. Tell us how that came about. I mean, that's quite an honor. Well, I appreciate that. And, yes, I do feel uh, very fortunate and blessed indeed to have won that award. I'm astonished, actually, to have won it on my first book. Um, it certainly looks good on the resume, and and it gives some credibility. Um, you know, it, it's hard to rise above all the voices out there. It's very competitive in the writing world. You know, there are about a million, a million and a half books published in the United States every year. And that's including traditional publishing, self-publishing, and e-books. Um, so it was indeed a great honor to be awarded um, Georgia Author of the Year. Um, it's awarded by the Georgia Writers Association, which is one of the oldest such literary awards in the Southeast. They began doing this in 1964, and when I won last year, it was their 51st annual banquet where they made these awards. Um, you know, when that banquet rolled around last year, last summer, I didn't want to go to it. Um, I didn't want to take the time, a whole evening and night, to go over to Kennesaw. Um, because there was already a prize-winning humorist author 
nominated in my category, and I just knew this guy was going to win, but my editor insisted that I go. So my wife, Maureen, uh, went to Kennesaw State University that night, and there was a huge convention hall, and it was packed with people. And, you know, from amongst the books nominated in each category, they award um, a a runner-up, a finalist, and a winner. And as I, they finally got to our category, and the lady who I thought was going to come in second, well, she came in third. And this gentleman who I knew was going to win it, he came in second. And I sat up straight in my chair and said, oh, my gosh. And suddenly, on this big 50-foot screen, there was my mug and, and the picture of Luck Be a Chicken, the front cover. Um, it, it was quite a shocking moment. But I went up um, to receive the award, and the MC. Um, reads the judge's comments and I would like to take just a minute to read what the judge said about Luck Be a Chicken the judge said I found Luck Be a Chicken an authenticity in tone description and situational comedy that is seldom so charmingly displayed the wit is reminiscent of Mark Twain the writing captures the vernacular with spelling that lets the reader hear the dialect the book is a must-read for all those that enjoyed the Jeff Foxworthy series, You Might Be a Redneck. And, folks, we are here on the prologue with the author of that 2015 Humor Author of the Year Award, Jameson Gregg, and we'll be back with more after these messages. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. 
You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back with Jameson Gregg here on the Prologue on America's Web Radio. My name's Doug Dahlgren. We were just hearing about the award, the 2015 Georgia Author of the Year Award in Humor. Jameson, there's an awful lot of genres out there that one can choose to write in. Why did you choose humor? Well, good question, Doug. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think, uh, well, I know that everyone loves to laugh, and, and we need more of it now. You know, laughter, it's its free, it's instant gratification. You know, it, it floods our bodies with those feel-good endorphins, which helps us relieve stress. Um, you, you know, it, it's gratifying to me to make people laugh. You know, th- there are thousands of, of academic studies and articles on the topic of humor and its effects. And there was a recent Harvard study that said adults in America are in the midst of a laughter drought, they called it. Um, there's certainly plenty of strife and stress these days as our world grows more complicated. Um, and think about this statistic. Um, babies laugh over 400 times a day. And if you're over 35 years old, you laugh on average only 15 times a day. So I'm here to help. I'm here to offer humor as a stress buster. You know, I see it as my mission, as my calling. So in, in Luck Be a Chicken, you know, even though the Sweat family is living on the edge of poverty and, and facing this medical crisis, which they can't pay, they can't pay for, you know, they cope through humor. It's a good coping mechanism as we say today. Um, I want to go back to the award. The award is tremendous, and, and it comes with lasting credibility because no matter what else happens in the future, you are always the 2015 Author of the Year in humor. Now, how has that award boosted your writing career? Well, it's it's been a real shot in the arm for book sales, for one thing, um, and, and speaking requests are rolling in. You know, I've been speaking to book clubs, civic clubs, literary groups. Um, in December of last year, I delivered the commencement address at the University of North Georgia in Dahlonega for their fall graduation. Um, and it has done things like helped me garner this radio interview that we're on right now. Um, but also something has happened recently, and, and your listeners will be amongst the first to hear this. And I just signed a contract with HBO. Um, Yes, sir. The deal is I pay them $22 a month, and I get to watch all the movies I want to. You know, I have a very similar contract. (laughs) It's just amazing how things can be so similar. We're in a small universe here. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, books like this and others that I know of are ripe for the big screen. They really are, and we hope that we have some folks, you know, listening out there that might get away from all these redos and uh, remakes and, and trying to pit Batman against Superman, uh, which I hear is not really going over that well, and maybe take a look at Luck Be a Chicken. I think it's something that would be an enjoyable couple of hours on the screen. So, folks out there, pick it up, get with it. Um, the recognitions that you've received, and you've received other awards. Besides this particular uh, acknowledgement for your work with this with this novel, but the novel has received some very high praise from some very 
good people. And if you don't mind, if you if you can sit there and stand me to call off a few, I want to say writing compliments on the cover of the book and about this book are folks like Cassandra King. Now, folks, if you're not as familiar with who that is, that is the uh, recent widow, unfortunately, of Pat Conroy. And uh, we all will miss him tremendously. Uh, but she had very complimentary things and enjoyed this book tremendously. Uh, Dr. William Rawlings, who's been a guest on this show and I'm very proud to say is going to be a return guest with his new novel coming up in about a month. Uh, he also has written in here about this. Mr. Jackie K. Cooper, regionally well-known, but he is quite the authority on entertainment in Georgia, out of Perry, Georgia, and all over the north. And also Mr. Emery Jones. We've had Emery on the program uh, Emery did a very nice review, and I invite you folks to go to Amazon and look at the marvelous reviews that are posted there. I think it's over 30, about 35, 36. And uh, anyway, there's some very highbrow talent that has complimented Jameson on his work. What have you got to say for yourself? Well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled. Um, but I would also, speaking of Amazon, which is the... 800 million pound gorilla in the publishing room right now um, if somebody does read Luck Be a Chicken I invite them to post their own review on Amazon whether it be good, average, or poor um, just I would like to see reviews um, and that, that that helps to show some some readership when people post reviews Now we, we touched on these other awards that you've got, I've got them listed off here do you want me to say them or do you want to tell us what they are you want me to, okay uh, you received a second place for the Jarvis Award for Humor from the Southeastern Writers Association back in 2007. Yes, and that is an organization, I think it's maybe seven or eight states. So that's that's a big organization. That's not just local Georgia. That's the whole region. That's correct. So that is a big deal. You also had first place in short story competition in 2015 with the Northeast Georgia Writers Group. Okay, maybe a little more localized, but still, that's high recognition. And prior to the Author of the Year Award, this same book we're here speaking of, Luck Be a Chicken, won first place in the novel category for the Northeast Georgia Writers back in 2011. Uh, when did you actually start working on that book? Were you still an attorney at that time, or had you given up that to become a full-time writer? No, I, I was not writing at all when I was a lawyer. Um, I wanted to had the desire to write, um, but I just couldn't find the time. Um, um, I, I had a very busy law practice for 20 years. Um, I was very involved in the community nonprofits. We were raising three children. You know, I was coaching Little League sports. And I always wanted to get to it, but I just couldn't find the time. Um, and, you know, I had, I had the seeds into my belly to write were planted back in undergraduate school. And Finally, those seeds, uh, you know, the whole time I was practicing law, I could not find the time. But those seeds to write were growing and swelling, and, and, and finally they they uncoiled and, and, and burst open. Um, and, and when I made that big decision to retire from the law practice and, and pursue my passion for writing, you know, I, I surprised a lot of people. Um, it was a huge jumping-off point for me, um, a massive decision. You know, I busted my rear end to build a good law practice, and it was a gamble, a, a roll of the dice for me to walk away from it to write. Um, and in that UNG University of North Georgia commencement address that I gave, my main message was, 
you know, find your passion and run with it. And that's exactly what I did. Speaking to future leaders at their commencement, that had to have been really a rush. Uh, I can't think of a better way to phrase it. But tell us a little bit more about that. How did you approach an honor like that? Well, I I took it very, very seriously. Um, Even though some of the graduates may not have been listening very closely to me, some of them may have. So I I took it very seriously. And it was really gratifying to stand up there in a gymnasium full of people and deliver, deliver this message that I did. And my main message to them was to find your passion. Um, don't get stuck in a job, a, a job that you hate. Um, find your passion and go with it. To say that you were successful in that law practice, I, you know, I have to tell you, that would be a classic understatement. Uh, because you weren't just uh, in a law practice. You were partner in the second oldest law firm in the state of Georgia. And there were a few other little uh, hobbies that you had along the way while you were trying to do that. You served as chairman of Barnett Bank of Southeast Georgia. You were director of the Atlantic National Bank in Brunswick, Georgia. You were founding director and vice chairman of the St. Simons Land Trust. You were trustee and vice chairman of the Frederica Academy on St. Simons Island in Georgia. And an adjunct instructor of business law at the University of North Georgia. So uh, you were just somewhat of a slacker, really, while you were going through that period, weren't you? <laughs> well, it was a lot of hard work. Um, and I, I tell you something, I, you know, you mentioned these jobs, these odd jobs that I had earlier, you know, a, a circus promoter, an iceman in a chicken plant, a, a deckhand on a Mississippi River tugboat, a, a taxi driver. You know, you know, these things gave me some perspective. Um, you know, on, on one hand, yes, I was a bank chairman, but also was a circus promoter and a taxi driver. Um, it, on one hand, yes, I had a successful law practice, but on the other hand, you know, I worked in a chicken plant, and I was a deck, I was at deckhand on a tugboat. So, those, so these varied perspectives, you know, allowed me to write "Luck Be a Chicken" basically from two points of view. You know, that of the Sweat family, you know, this blue collar family on the edge of poverty. And that of the antagonists, uh, Bean's nemesis, the, the highfalutin, pompous owner of the chicken plant. So having these varied experiences allowed me to write from two points of view. And to communicate with both, because that's really what uh, storytelling is, is communication. Um, let's learn a little bit more about Jameson Gregg here while we have the time. Now, you've already said you were born in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, your family moved back and forth a great deal, and you did with them. Um, tell us a little bit more about your family and what life was like for the young Jameson Gregg. Well, I've already alluded to the fact that we tried to have fun growing up, and, and my my mother was funny, her mother was funny, my siblings were funny. Um, my father, perhaps less so. He was a very serious man. Um, he, was, um, uh, he was wounded on the beach of Iwo Jima. He was uh, went back into action and was captured by the Japanese. And when World War II ended, he was a POW. Um, he was in the FBI, um, and he went on to have his successful law practice um, in Mississippi. But yes, I I moved from Mississippi to Georgia, went back to Mississippi to go to school. And when I moved to Georgia um, in high school, we lived on Jekyll Island, and I just I fell in love with the Golden Isles. 
So even though I went to school in Mississippi and had intentions initially of staying in Mississippi, the, the lure and call of the Golden Isles was always ringing in my ear. So I returned back um, to the Golden Isles to establish my law practice and okay. did that for 20 years and, um, as I mentioned, decided to retire from the law practice to pursue writing full-time. And Maureen and I made the decision to, to move to Dahlonega, Georgia, um, to come up to the mountains and enjoy the cooler weather up here in the mountains. And many of us are quite envious of you for places you've chosen to live in Georgia. Tell us right quick, where all can folks find out more about Jameson Gregg and Luck Be a Chicken? Um, my website is jamesongregg.com. All right, very good. We're here this morning. We're talking about the 2015 comic novel of the year or author of the year in that category, to be precise. Uh, Mr. Jameson Gregg is the author, and my name's Doug Dahlgren. We're going to be back with more from Jameson after these short messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back. My name's Doug Dahlgren. You're listening to the Prologue on America's Web Radio. Our guest today is Jameson Gregg, the 2015 Author of the Year in the category of uh, humor for Georgia Author of the Year. The book we're talking about is Luck Be a Chicken. It is his first. We are hoping that it will be followed by many, many more. Uh, Jameson, you are now a full-time writer. Is that correct? You've left the law practice and you're doing this full-time. That's correct. I went straight. Went straight. All right. Got rehabilitated, and now we have you on our team, which we're glad to have you. What are you working on right now? I'm working on a a nonfiction book in the humor genre. You know, I've been taking notes for decades on humorous things that I've experienced, you know, things I've seen, heard, or thought. 
and I, I'm writing, you know, short anecdotal pieces, you know, or, or amusing stories about real incidents or people. I'm trying to employ humor and wit. Um, the pieces are anywhere from one paragraph to, to five to six pages. So it's, it's boom, boom, boom. Um, and, and, and George Carlin's books are probably closest stylistically to what I'm trying to do now. Um, many know Carlin as a stand-up comedian, but maybe not everybody knows that he had a number of best-selling books that are just hilarious. And I'm, I'm, I'm stylistically trying to do the same thing, although obviously I'm no George Carlin. I wish I was, um, but I'm having a blast doing it. And, and once again, my goal when I sit down to write is to make myself laugh, which is just a marvelous thing to do. Now, this is nonfiction that Co- you're working on. Correct, yes. Names have been changed to protect the writer. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> do we have a title that you're uh, working with for this one that we can look for? Don't even have a working title yet, no. Okay, okay. Any any projections on when this might be out? Um, I hope to be finished with the book by this calendar year. Okay. okay. But when it will be published is another another question. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Fair enough. Now, uh, another question I have to ask, are we going to hear or see any more of the Sweat family? I hope so. I would be delighted to write uh, a sequel to that book. Um, and when I finish the current book I'm working on, I may loop back around and do a sequel. Um, I kind of left it open at the end to allow for a sequel. Very good. Well, we'll watch for that. I want to ask you some some uh, nuts and bolts type questions here. How does your writing process work, and do you rely on any certain person or maybe a group of people to proofread and help you with your manuscripts? Yes. How about if I take the first, the last question first? Absolutely. Um, and I want to talk about the proofreading, but the benefits of having a partner. You know, in this case, it was my wife, Maureen. Um, she was much more than a proofreader. Um, she was coach, cheerleader, editor, and chief bottle washer. You know, like me, she had a professional career first, and she finally got around to writing. And, and she is working on a, a Celtic family saga based loosely on her family. Um, they've done their genealogy work back to the 1600s. But as an editor, I mean, she, she's not a yes person. I mean, she's a real taskmaster. You know, she has a sharp red pen, and she uses it. You, know, you need your editor to be brutal at times. Um, but, but she was right there with me the whole way, all the way from what I call developmental editing. You know, when you're creating these concepts, these characters and the plot, um, all the way down to manuscript editing. You know, it, was, it was editing both for substance and line and copy edit. And she was great about doing things like she would make my writing more crisp. She would suggest you know, action verbs. Um, she would change, you know, passive writing to active writing. And, and my little disclaimer for her is that there is some bawdiness in the book, and she actually cut it back, but still she didn't approve of some of it. And I like to say that she edited those sections with one eye closed. Um, but we learned together. Um, we've got many books in our library um, on writing. We went to many seminars, uh, many talks. We practiced, practiced, draft after draft. So this Georgia Author of the Year Award belongs equally to both Maureen and me. I certainly can understand that, and I appreciate what you're saying. Uh, the red pen. Uh, have you ever heard the, uh, I'm lost? Has that ever come? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. that, that happens to everybody. <laughs> anyway. Um, 
tips for budding writers? What would you say? There's a lot of folks. We have readers who listen to us, and then we also have a lot of people who who have that idea in their head, but they're just afraid to reach out. What tips do you have for budding writers? Well, uh, it, you know, any book it, it is a marathon and not a sprint. I would say, and so therefore, I would say don't don't procrastinate. You know, even if you can't write full time, and most people can't, find some time to write. You know, even if it's writing in a journal, um, you, you've got to keep that imagination limber by exercising it. You know, so write. You know, don't put it off until all conditions are perfect. You know, don't say, well, I'll start next year. I'll start the following year. Flannery O'Connor said you've got to write every day. You know, if you're in a family and you're working and you're trying to write, you know, it's good to set some ground rules. You know, for instance, you may say, you know, I'm going to write tonight from 7 to 8, and don't interrupt me unless the house is on fire. Um, but but first and foremost, I would say that, that writing needs to be a passion. You know, even if you're never going to pursue it as a full-time career, you need to write because you love it and because it makes your heart feel good. You know, let it be a gift to yourself, your family, and your friends. Now, was there any one particular influence that got you interested in writing uh, in the novel form? Yes. Uh, perhaps the most significant uh, experience along those lines was when I, when I was at Ole Miss, William Faulkner um, was in Oxford, Mississippi, uh, native, and he died about 15 years before I got there. But I would go to his residence, which is now a museum, and I would sit in his lawn under the shade of his oak tree and read his work, and his the window of his office was right there. And that was kind of a surreal experience, which, which made a, quite an impression on me back at a young age and has stuck with me. Who are some of your favorite writers today? Who do you read? Well, um, Carl Hyacin is probably at the top of the heap when it comes to humorous novels. Um, I enjoy the writing of David Sedaris. You know, um, I love Mark Twain. He had a great influence on me. Um, and what was great about Twain was the time period in which he wrote what he did. I mean, he was a real trailblazer. Um, but as far as Luck Be a Chicken, I think the one novel which had the most impact on me was a book called The Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy Toole. It was a Pulitzer Prize-winning comic novel. Um, I was also greatly influenced uh, in my formative years by the late, great Dr. Hunter S. Thompson, the inventor of gonzo literature. And there was another writer which people today may not know much about. His name is Richard Brodigan, and he wrote book, uh, books, many books. One of them was Trout Fishing in America. But I would encourage readers, if you've not heard of Richard Brodigan, find him. Um, I'm also a, a, a fan of the English humor, and, and they're such dry, witty, humorous people. Um, I love the writings of, of P.G. Wodehouse and Kingsley Amos. Kingsley Amos wrote a, wrote a great comic novel called Lucky Jim. All right. This has been a quick 30 or 60 minutes. Is there anything that we have left out that you just really feel you need to bring up before we close this thing out? Oh, my. Um, Doug, I just I want to uh, reiterate that I appreciate the opportunity to be here. 
and um, I'm, I'm honored to have won Georgia Author of the Year and look forward to delivering more work to help meet my mission and my calling of bringing, bringing more humor to the world. And you're certainly on the road doing that, and we appreciate it. How about some shout-outs? Anybody particular you'd like to say hello to? Them? Well, of course, uh, my wife, Maureen, who I mentioned, and she's sitting here in the room with us as we speak. Um, my three children, Katie, Jay, and Claire. Hey, guys. Get to work. Get to work. All right. Jameson, it has been an absolute pleasure to meet you, to have you on the show and learn all about your great book, I want to thank you so very much for being a guest and coming in here this morning. We hope that you will come back when that new one's available because we're all wanting to hear about it and to see how you make out with the attorneys on that one, too. So that'll be a story unto itself. <laughs> uh, now, listeners, the ball is in your court. I want you to look up Jameson Gregg on Amazon and his website, which is www.jamesongregg.com, spelled J-A-M-E-S-O-N-G-R-E-G-G.com. You'll learn all you need to about the book and order it. You will enjoy that book. I also ask you to tell all your friends about our show and how they can listen to the free podcasts. All the information's there on americaswebradio.com. And if you'd like to be a guest on the prologue, as we said earlier, please email me at doug at americaswebradio.com or doug at dougdahlgren.com. Tell me a little bit about yourself, and we'll be sure to get you scheduled for a show. Thanks again to my guest, Jameson Gregg. <coughs> Pollen season in Georgia. I didn't mean to date the show, but we got pollen and it's getting to me, so apologize for that. Uh, for myself, I'm Doug Dahlgren, and for my guests this morning, once again, Jameson Gregg, I say, be good to yourselves and each other. Read a book. If not luck be a chicken, maybe you'll pick one of mine. And I'll see you all again in just 167 hours. Take care. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.